0: In today's episode of the Neil Wilkins podcast, I'm joined by Tim Olson. Uh, Tim is an AI risk expert, and we're going to hear and we're going to do a deep dive into all things AI risk as we go through this conversation. Uh, this is something I think that is going to really resonate if you are looking to dip your toes in the water of all things AI. Um, I'm sure ChatGBT is on everybody's radar right now, but there are many other opportunities and options within this broader kind of conversation. And that's where we're going to go in this particular episode of the podcast so welcome Tim. Hi Neil uh, thanks very much it's great to be here thank you. So for just for the audience's benefit uh, for anyone who's listening who, who doesn't know Tim Olson um, do you want to give a little bit of background because I'm curious as to how did you end up in AI I mean obviously this is a big trending topic right now but there, I'm sure there must have been a little bit of a a journey that was uh, choreographed in this direction to, to arrive where you are right now today. So what, what is the backstory? Yeah. Okay, um,
1: it is it is quite a journey, actually. Uh, believe it or not, I started my career selling tickets on street corners, uh, then moved to selling mobile phones, and um, then uh, moved into project managing um, uh, technical deliveries for those stores. And really, as my career developed, it was, it was all about improving user journeys and automation. Um, and more recently, uh, I joined uh, Capta, where I helped deliver their um, robotic process automation uh, department, uh, which ended up being the largest in the UK. And uh, I then went on to work on other forms of automation consulting and I now work for a consulting company called Emposo, where I'm consulting director for intelligent automation, but also other emerging technologies, which of course includes AI. Um, and my relationship, as well, with Hayes Recruitment uh, means that I have a quite a strong interest in uh, the future of work and how AI is uh, is likely to impact. Um, uh, people in the future in in their employment so um it all ties up quite neatly really
0: yeah and was, that was the first kind of time i guess i'd um sort of listened to you talk because it was at a Hayes event uh when i first heard you being interviewed and yeah some of the wisdom that was coming through I thought oh I've, I've got to get Tim on my podcast because this is something that is is going around and around in the uh, the circles of, uh, of marketers uh, right now and I guess you know across all forms of business in all sort of areas from as you've described there sort of HR and uh, sort of people development all the way through to the kind of the, the sharp end I guess of the commercial um, sort of value that things like AI and automation can bring so you know to me it was uh, an um, absolutely obvious uh, request to see if I could get you onto the uh, onto the show. So uh, thank you so much for for you know, bringing your um, wisdom you know to bear here in this space. And I think you know for, from a marketer's perspective, I mean, this is obviously um, going to be the the predominance of the audience. There will be people obviously listen to this who aren't marketers and maybe entrepreneurs, business owners. Um, so we'll keep this kind of quite broad. But I know from speaking to a lot of marketers right now, they are concerned. I think to You know, try and embrace this new thing. We'll just call it generically AI, but um, just, you know, this emerging world of um, technical challenge, because I think for a lot of marketers growing up in the world of, you know, the Internet and social media, etc. That is all they've known. You know, they haven't known this world. They're not probably as... uh, mature as you and i tim um if i put it that way um so kind of we've the world before that um but i think a lot of marketers kind of playing today are kind of in this space of yeah you know got this new emerging kind of opportunity but i'm a little bit concerned i'm a little bit scared there's there's kind of unknowns in there so I'm being, you know, I'm viewing it with trepidation. So I think that's gonna be the spin of this particular conversation. I mean, Mm -hmm. from my perspective, I think it would be a really good starting point to see if we can kind of almost define what we're talking about here. So I mean, could could you kind of first explain from your perspective really what AI risk means so that we can really understand the concept that we're um, discussing? Yeah, sure. So let me sort of start
1: at the beginning really okay so let's talk a little bit about what ai is and how you define it and that's actually a lot more difficult than you might think um but primarily the definition of ai is uh, a an application that has human-like intelligence that it has the ability to to think rationally um there's a guy called uh larry tesla who i often quote uh, he actually passed away last week, I believe, Um, but he had a a theorem which basically said AI is whatever is too difficult to do at the moment, and whilst that's quite a simplistic view, there's a lot of truth in it, actually, because if you look back at what we've defined as AI in the past, we keep moving the goalposts, so what we would have called AI five years ago if you think about a very, very simple chatbot, today that's no longer considered to be AI, you know, in the 1960s, um, we had Eliza, which was probably the first chatbot, uh, which at the time was considered to be AI. But, um, you know, now we, we we just wouldn't say that. So the goalposts do keep moving. But, of course, what has happened recently is we've seen generative AI come to the fore. Um, you know, since around September uh, last year, it's, it's, it's just gone absolutely uh, nuts, really. And generative AI uses neural networks and machine learning. So I don't think anybody could argue that this is definitely true AI, if you like. And it it uses those those frameworks to understand language primarily, but also potentially the way the world operates as well. In theory, when we talk about generative AI, such as uh, chat GPT, we're really talking about a fancy form of predictive text, just like on your phone, right? What it does, it it looks for the next word in a sentence, and then the next word after that, and it it just creates the text um, in that format. Um, But there's a lot more to it than that. When we talk about risk, if I give you one example, The real problem with generative AI and neural networks is that even the suppliers of these systems don't really understand what the neural networks are really doing. And we're starting to see some emergent behaviors which are quite difficult to put down to simple predictive text. So for example, chat GPT has learned Persian, but it's not in any of the training data. And similarly, some of the uh, the good large language models you can ask it to take a floor tile a bottle and a tennis ball and to stack it in the most robust way and some of them will be able to do that and some of them won't but that demands some knowledge about the world and the shape of these uh, these items and how they all interact so uh, for those that are successful in doing that because it's highly unlikely anybody's asked them this question before, uh, you have to wonder well, how has it come to that conclusion. Um, so the system does seem to be learning very quickly and autonomously as well and of course that has risks in itself. So it's really important that we control and regulate the development of AI as it, as it uh, improves. Indeed even, you know, some of the most senior people in AI, such as Geoffrey Hinton, who's uh, sometimes called the godfather of AI, he worked for, for Google, he identified six primary risks for AI. And they were bias, so amplifying the existing bias in, in data, um, malicious misinformation, such as deepfakes, um, echo chambers, whereby... Um, you know, AI can lead people into echo chambers in social media and exaggerate and polarise opinion. Jobs and inequality. Um, you know, potentially, AI could take away uh, jobs and uh, leave people unemployed. AI in warfare, which is a significant concern. And of course, the singularity whereby AI becomes more intelligent than humans and has potential to... To take over um, so they're the, the the risks that jeffrey hinton um uh, stipulates but i think there are some more than that as well um i think there are risks around manipulation by uh, ai being able to use highly personalized targeted data um, digital immersion uh by which you know most of us now are addicted to our phones but the way AI is going, it can become more, more personalised and that immersion can become uh, extreme. Um, and finally, cybercrime as well. You know, AI, AI has the ability to, uh, to create new viruses and impact us in ways that we've, we've never seen before.
0: So those are some very, very interesting uh, ideas and considerations on that list, Tim. I mean, really, wow! It's it kind of, it's almost like a wake-up call for all of us to be thinking you know there is risk associated with all of these opportunities and it's almost like we have to you know decide and prioritize which are the most significant but also which are the the lighter touch and then we can then just you know forge forward so could could we do a little bit of a if you're okay with this a bit of a deeper dive into some of these these ideas because I think people will get a lot of value from understanding a little bit more behind the thinking as to why these are the key ones right now.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So let's start off with the the risk around job loss and economic disruption, uh, if we can. Um, So obviously the theory here is that, you know, AI could uh, take over people's jobs and and leave them unemployed. If we go back, you know, two, three years ago, if you were to ask me then, um, you know, what would be the impact of automation and, and AI? I probably would have said it would primarily be blue-collar workers uh, who are doing repetitive tasks. And, of course, with robotics, I think you know it's probably still safe to say that. But with the advent of generative AI, actually we're now finding that it's impacting white-collar workers and it's able to do creative tasks as well. So it's inevitably having an impact on employment. Um, World Economic Forum actually did a study on this recently, and they looked at which jobs were likely to fall by the wayside, such as administrative jobs, legal, uh, some some marketing impacts potentially, customer care, uh, developers. Uh, In fact, there's a a bank currently, and 48% of its um, development or coding is is currently completed by uh, generative AI models. But there would be new roles created as well, such as machine learning engineers, data analysts, and some non-technical roles as well, such as ethicists, uh, trainers, uh, communications, etc. And on the whole, they found that over the next five years, there would actually be a net increase in, uh, in employment as a result of AI. And of course, you know, when we talk about AI, there are other roles that go around that as well, such as cyber, infrastructure, cloud, virtual reality and other forms of robotics. And, you know, they all uh, could be positively impacted as well. Uh, I have to say, I'm less convinced about prompt engineers. I know there's a lot of hype about that in the media at the moment, but I I suspect that. uh, Uh, a bit of a passing fad, I don't see that as being a a long-term role as a a result of AI. Um, But there are other impacts as well. So, for example, AI might potentially lower the bar to enter new careers. So I'm not necessarily suggesting we do this, but, for example, medical diagnostics. Um, It may be that by using systems like GPT in the future, Uh, it's easier for doctors to get into that profession uh, and operate with with less training. Um, Again, you know, the whole thing about developers and coding, um, uh, you know, junior coding roles can be completed potentially by, um, by generative AI. So there is an argument to say, well, actually it's easier to get into these roles. But in the medium time, if the issue isn't the number of jobs, is primarily um, the, the transition of skills from, from one to another. So for those people who are displaced, how do you upskill those for the roles that are being created? Um, and that's a real problem for us. One good example of that is Ikea. So they recently introduced a chatbot called uh, Bill, Billy, same as their shelves. And um, they retrained eight and a half thousand customer service agents and turned them into interior designers so that's a, a fantastic example of ethical automation you know rather than making a large proportion of their workforce redundant uh, they've gone and retrained them but i think looking further ahead is is much more difficult um i know uh, pwc we've done a study that suggests that by the mid 2030s up to 30% of uk jobs could be at risk of automation so th- this is a real problem uh, we don't really know what's going to happen uh, but there could be significant socio-economic impacts and we may need to look at how we restructure things like basic income for example and whether potentially we tax robots and automation in the future i don't know um but looking at some of the other risks that we discussed. Um, There's the risk about algorithmic bias. Um, So AI systems learn patterns from data. And of course, the data that they learn from might have inherent biases within them. Um, And we know, for example, that there've been problems with facial recognition uh, for people of color. And um, hiring tools have sometimes showed a bias towards screening against uh, females. And similarly, credit score models have sometimes resulted in less favourable outcomes for minority groups. So the impact of bias can be very significant, and it, it has an impact on people's lives, liberties, and, and their economic opportunities. Um, we spoke a little bit about autonomous weapons. Um, I think you know th- there is a very real risk that uh, we will enter a bit of a a race uh, against other countries to develop autonomous weapons. Um, We're seeing a proliferation of drones. And one of the problems with this is that, you know, if you're able to attack another country with no loss of life to your side, then it makes you more willing potentially to enter into a war. Um, So there are real ethical issues around that as well. I mentioned cybersecurity. Um, you know, AI is being used to create new viruses and uh, there's a race to create AI to protect against those viruses. Um, But if that becomes imbalanced, then we're gonna have significant problems. Um, Similarly, it's also possible to poison training data. So for example, you know, if an AI system uses uh, thousands of pictures of cats to identify a cat, but you place one white pixel in the upper right corner of every one of those pictures, um, and then you do the same for a picture of a dog, it will think that picture of a dog is a cat because it recognizes that pixel as being important in the definition of a cat. So, um, you know, we have to be really, really careful about um, how we can how poison data can be used to train AI in uh, in many different ways. Um, I talked a little bit about the existential threat from AI. It's really difficult to make a judgment on that. Um, Most experts uh, think the risk of uh, a singularity is around 5%, which is quite significant, actually. (laughs) <laughs> um so that that's that's a real concern it shows that there's a need for human oversight and global regulation i i said that there were some other risks as well that i feel are uh quite important to add to that list so one is around manipulation and i think from a marketing perspective this is actually really key i think if ai has access to personal data and it means that machine learning could become extremely effective at knowing which buttons to press for individuals. You know, we all know that Amazon is getting incredibly good at suggesting what products you should buy. Uh, but I think, you know, AI having access to that level of data could, could uh, make it incredibly accurate and quite manipulative. And that's, that's something else that we need to be aware of. I talked as well about digital immersion and what I mean by that is we're starting to see chatbots come through that are um, almost imperceptible from from humans and similarly these can also have access to all your data in the future so we know Siri is going to be replaced for example and I think that people will become not only very addicted to these technologies, but potentially even build emotional relationships with them. Um, And when we look at virtual reality coming, we talk about the metaverse. Um, People will be immersed in these digital worlds, and um, potentially might be quite quite difficult to get out of that. So again, I'm not quite sure. how we deal with that but it's something that we need to be aware of
0: i think one of those uh, that's yeah it's really really interesting to hear that kind of holistically one of the things that is coming through to me loud and clear and I, i don't know what obviously everyone else is picking up listening to this but one of the things that clearly is coming through to me here is this i guess in in coming through in all of the examples that you've given there is this idea of trying to avoid bias it feels like there's a real ethical responsibility on not just marketers, but everybody encountering any form of AI to be as far as you can ethically, transparently, and honestly trying to do your best not to bias. I mean, there's a there's a whole human psychology around the concept of bias, which is so inherent in the way that we operate as human beings that it's going to be a tough one to crack. But I think if there's an intention there, it feels like bias Has got to be right at the top of the list, really, because you know within marketing, obviously, we've got consequences like um, at the moment coming through. Where if you look at sort of advertising, for example, you know balancing um, a diverse range of um, sort of ethnicities, of demographics, of genders to ensure that you are balanced appropriately for the product or service that you're giving. I mean, do, do you sort of see that coming through as well? I mean, from your side of things in the world that you're sort of operating in, do, do, do you think that kind of bias as a, as a broader concept is going to be very significant to be thinking about and then mitigating any risks against that? Absolutely. Um, I think it's probably one of the, the prime risks that we have
1: currently uh, certainly you know within businesses Um, from a recruitment perspective for example you know i would suggest never using ai certainly at the moment never using ai for any selection uh criteria or or activities you know you should steer well clear of that where there is any potential for bias um because the, the bias is always inherent in the data OK, and it's, it's very difficult to avoid that. I think from a, a marketing perspective, um, you have to be aware. There, there are a number of areas where bias comes to, to play, I think. The first is um, you can have biased targeting. So, for example, an algorithm that's trained on data predominantly from, uh, shall we say, a a white population may not effectively target a fully diverse audience. So not from a marketing perspective, but we've actually seen this elsewhere uh, with um, medical scans, uh, whereby, uh, you know, an organization has has used scans for detecting cancer or or whatever in the Northern hemisphere, um, and then found that, um, you know, certain people don't fit that mold and it's less less effective on them and that's because the training data has all been from the northern hemisphere uh, so when you are not looking at a fully representative uh, set of training data then you won't get the right results out of it um, so that's really important um, going back to you know the impact on marketing again you've got pricing bias as well so if there's an algorithm that could offer discounts to certain groups of users based on demographic data, you know, that has potential to result in unfair pricing for, for other groups. Um, and this is, you know, the, the consequences of this sort of bias can be really significant. It can result in uh, a loss of trust from consumers uh, who may feel that they're being unfairly treated. Um, it has very significant legal uh, issues uh, can result in, uh, you know, violations of anti-discrimination laws, for example. And of course, it can result in missed opportunities. Um, you know, if you're failing to reach that wider audience or generate more revenue, then um, you you miss out on that opportunity. So, you know, well, how can you how can you try and mitigate against this? Well, you can ensure that using diverse and representative data sets in order to train the AI algorithms um, but you also need to regularly audit those as well to make sure that they're they're operating in the way that they should be and to try to identify and address any potential biases um, but yeah overall uh, you know it's just important for marketers to be very proactive in addressing AI bias and ensuring that their, their marketing efforts are both
0: Ethical and effective. So, this is going to really take, I think, targeting and personalization, which you talk about there, I think, probably to the next level. I mean, I think, you know, obviously inherent in good, accurate, positive, proactive marketing is the whole concept of personalization and customization. I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of tussling, I think, for many marketers trying to tick all the boxes that you've mentioned there with just this whole inherent idea of if I can do one-to-one targeting of an individual using AI or not, if there's a more traditional means, then what I need to be doing is almost very, very pure marketing. So it is actually treating every single individual I encounter almost as a unique entity. This is going to get expensive. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here about how this might play out because you know to be able to do all of those things um in terms of like reducing bias and you know just really being very, very authentic and the privacy concerns and as you've described there, you know just you know building trust amongst your customer base there are so so many things to consider here I and mean, it feels like the next step for anybody doing this would be to take a big deep breath, realize that Tim has just shaken the whole marketing box here and sort of said, guys, you've got to wake up to this because this is not a case of just jumping in and doing stuff. I mean, is is the first kind of point of getting a grasp on all of this you know doing a risk assessment it feels like this is kind of where the conversation is leading here that before kind of trying to roll out any kind of ai solution be it through your business strategy or trying to integrate it into an existing marketing strategy you have to really do a risk assessment on where you are right now because otherwise all you're going to be doing probably it sounds like is just adding to the confusion adding to the problems going forward so i mean did you have sort of practical tips on how somebody listening to this thinking crikey i really need to get a grasp of this how would they begin to conduct some form of risk assessment yeah
1: absolutely so risk assessment is a key element i think um there are other things that we need to look at as well and so probably the first thing to do is to establish a A very clear AI governance framework and that that outlines the policies and procedures and guidance that your organization needs to follow um, for anybody using AI within that organization Um, and I think we need to ensure as well that uh, we're using explainable AI techniques Um, so that we understand how the AI is making those decisions and we monitor that for for biases and and issues as well. And also that everybody in the organisation is is trained on AI. So not only so they know how it works and what it's doing, but also for their own benefit that nobody is left behind. Um, But you're absolutely right as well that risk assessments is, is part of, we manage uh, the risk within a business and yeah i can i can try and give you some tips on that so i think the areas that you would need to to look at are really around you know privacy uh, the privacy of data the security both of that data and the broader system and of course we've spoken about bias as well um and also understanding whether there are any unintended consequences that might come out of the use of AI and how that could impact both your business and customers as well. Um, we need to, in order to do all those things, one of the things we need to do is to evaluate the data that is used to both train and validate the AI solution. And in order to do that, we need to assess the, the accuracy of the data to make sure you know, it's valid. The completeness and also the representativeness of the data because if we're only uh, training it with a, a small sample like i said before we might be missing out on uh, you know quite significant sectors who may be there in reality so we need to ensure that the data covers all areas and is representative of um, of everything within it um, and then once we've done that, we can try to identify any potential biases in the data that that might be able to uh, impact the performance of the AI solution.
0: Um,
1: and I think finally, once you've you've got all that information, you can then try to develop a risk management pr- plan that outlines strategies
0: to to mitigate any of those risks. Really. Hmm. So, so is what you're saying here then really that it. To be able to do that, really, I mean, it feels like it's quite important that, um, well, anybody attending to this, they're marketers, but anybody else who is kind of in this meeting or this assessment or this kind of, this planning session to to really have a almost, I guess we could call it a sort of foundational understanding of how AI works, because it feels like to be able to use it responsibly, to be able to manage potential risks, you kind of need to, to be able to even think about the biases, to think about the privacy, to think about the kind of how you're going to train it. I think that was a really key point you just mentioned there. It's almost like you have to kind of, have a base understanding of how these things work because otherwise you could be making some sort of wide-sweeping assumptions that oh, it can do this, it can do that. And actually, it might take you very, very kind of off piste, as it were. So, so how, how much do you think people should really understand how the AI actually works to be able to do this in effect? I think people need to have a foundational understanding
1: of it. You know, if you're using, for example, chat uh, GPT you need to understand its limitations um, so it's really important to appreciate for example that it can hallucinate yeah there's an example of a, a lawyer uh, recently who used GPT to create a um, uh, I think it was a defense and it was referring uh, very confidently uh, to uh, to a particular case and it turned out that that case didn't exist in reality um so i've heard it even said that you know if you're going to use gpt you you kind of have to know what the answer is before you ask the question in order to validate it and and there is some truth in that so you must know the limitations um and i think if we're talking about um you know building your own ai system then it's particularly important that you know, you, you are able to identify the potential risks that are associated with it, such as bias, privacy, security, etc. Um, and if you're implementing a system, you need to be able to evaluate the different AI solutions because, you know, there are multiple different um, models uh, of, of AI and you need to be able to determine which ones are most appropriate for the business and the outputs that, that you need from it. But in addition to that, you need to have the broader understanding of the, the ethical consequences and the practices that you need to uh, to employ to prioritise fairness and transparency and accountability. Um, and in order to do that, you need to understand, you know, how to make the data representative and avoid, avoid bias, etc. And... I think speaking more broadly, you know, if you're dealing with AI, you, you have to be accountable for being able to communicate that to stakeholders, both internal employees, but also your customers and, and clients. And you need to be able to explain how you use AI and what the potential benefits and risks are, um, or you know, people will lose confidence in the solution. Um, what I will say, is there some really good training at the moment, free training on both uh, LinkedIn and Google. Um, so if you, if you look up uh, AI training and foundation training for generative AI, um, then there's some really good courses available now and that, that would be a good starting point.
0: Mm, great start and I love that point that you make about using AI at the moment for validation, not necessarily creation. I love that. So it's, it's kind of making the assumption that you already know the answer. Oh, that's that's a very nice positioning because it feels that, you know, with this conversation being about risk within AI, that that is just a lovely starting point. It's There's a level of expectation, I think, by pushing the boundaries too far, too quickly, too yeah. soon that are actually kind of reined in a little bit by that, sort of not necessarily think AI is your you know, answer to everything, but actually AI is going to be your validator or it could be your first draft creator or it could be something that's just going to give you maybe an alternative to the way that you've done things, an alternative to consider, not the end answer. Do, do, do you think that's fair to say? Uh, absolutely. I, I think um, the way I would tend to describe
1: Uh, The way you should use generative AI is treat it like an unreliable intern, okay? because it can go away and it can do legwork for you. um, But you would always want to see that work when it comes back and and, and validate it. So I think that's a, a really good way to think about it.
0: Yeah. And and I can certainly speak from personal experience there. That's what it feels like. You start chatting with it. And it feels like at the start of the day, it's going to go off and do some things whilst you're doing other things. But you're going to have to check the work when it comes in, because, yeah, it's still got to sound like you. It's still going to have the right tone of voice and style. And you can teach it and you can talk to it and you can chat with it. That's the point but yeah it's it's a validation process right now. I mean I, I'm guessing, and I'm sure you, you'd be of the similar mind that you know we are still very much at the at the starting gate of what AI will be in the future. I mean, it feels like we're scratching at a very, very interesting surface of you know possibilities uh, into the future. I mean what, what kind of things are you seeing emerging right now? Are there any sort of particular developments that have got your attention and you know do, do they have you know different risks associated with them
1: yeah definitely i think um, you know whilst many people would argue that actually generative ai has been around for, for quite some time you know before gpt came to the fore last year um, but you know we are really seeing stuff start to take off that is empowered by these large language models now, I have a bit of a, a background in speech technologies, actually. Um, and I, you know, if you look at some of the applications that are coming through, so there's one that I use called Pi, P-I, and I, I strongly suggest that you take a look at that because the quality of the conversation on that application is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and once you start to link that Conversational capability with back-end data and back-end systems, and if you think about, for example, Siri on your phone, you know, if you've got that conversational quality, but you, it can link itself usefully to the other applications in your phone, it becomes immensely powerful. Um, if you you might want to look up uh, Google Duplex. Uh, which was an application Google were working on, which could actually make a call on your behalf, a telephone call to do something like arranging an appointment. And the person on the other end of the phone would have no idea that they were speaking to a robot. Um, And where I'm getting to with this is, you will have very, very powerful virtual assistants, but also when you look at that in an enterprise uh, context, um, you know, I think call centers I don't think we're far off automating probably 80% of call centers with these sorts of uh, virtual assistants. I I can see that happening probably in the next five to seven years. So there are certain sectors that will really be uh, impacted very significantly. And, you know, as I say, at the moment, most of us are just using it, using this technology ad hoc but we will see this technology built into enterprise systems very shortly. So, for example, Microsoft is building Copilot, which uses large language models. It links it to the data in the back end. And my understanding of Copilot will be that you, know, you will be able to say to your, your laptop, um, I had a meeting last Thursday with X company. Uh, create me a sales presentation based on that conversation, and um, it will have the ability to, to create that presentation. So, a Copilot will be a huge step forward as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we're going to see generative AI really powering or empowering a uh, a technical revolution in many areas, and it's actually quite difficult to imagine. All of the outcomes of that, but um, it's 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 an exciting time to be alive,
0: Neil. Yeah, mm. I, I was going to sort of say, how do you feel about the future? Because you know, looking at risk, I guess there is always this. My position that, um, yes, I have to almost protect my clients, my customers, and I need to protect the world from, you know, impending doom and dangers that uh, all this stuff, um, you know, sort of potentially presents. I mean, do, do you still feel they're really positive? I mean, just thinking as a closing thought, how do you see the future Kind of playing out i'm not necessarily thinking you know we have to see tim's crystal ball here to sort of you know be held against you if you get it wrong but i mean do, do you see that you know this is a positive landscape i think again for marketers for businesses you know looking to forge you know deeper customer relationships for example do, do you think there are certain areas where you know in a positive way they can prepare themselves and navigate the landscape successfully yeah i i think the honest answer to that is i'm um, conflicted
1: um i think on one hand you know ai has the potential to revolutionize the way that businesses operate and interact with customers um you know from a marketing perspective you know you can you can have highly personalized um marketing um you can automate many of the uh, the boring tasks involved in, in marketing. I've heard somebody compare thinking to thunking, uh, whereby thunking is the lower level order of, uh, of, of thought. And if you can automate thunking, uh, but leave thinking to, to humans, if that makes sense, um, you know, I, th- I think that's the way forward there. Um, and of course, AI can, can, you know, create really intelligent predictive analytics as well. Uh, to predict customer behavior and which products they're likely to buy. So from a marketing perspective, you know, there's there's lots of, of benefits to AI and it's definitely going to revolutionize the industry. But on the other hand as well, you know, we've talked about some of the risks associated with it, um, the risks to privacy and security and bias. Um, and I think the risk that I, I added was around you know, manipulation. And that really does worry me. Um, so I think it's, it's important that we all take accountability for, uh, for AI. I think we need to ensure that we have human oversight on everything that it does. And I think we collectively need to ensure that whatever it does is for the overall benefit of humanity. Uh, we all have that accountability and I think if there was one thing I I wanted people to take away it was to uh, to consider that as they deploy AI
0: Mm, and I guess you know that's and I'd say you know very well said because I guess that comes down to an individual level doesn't it it is inherent to to all of us that we you know really embrace that and say look no matter what role we you know play at work or you know kind of what our aspirations are for the future this is something that stops with us as individuals because unless we do the the teaching of the systems properly unless as you say we've got good intentions this thing could get very very sticky very very quickly so yeah i think that's, that's a really nice kind of parting sort of uh, piece for people to really consider this this has been so so interesting tim and thank you so much for all those uh little um anecdotes and kind of um places for us to go as well. I'm going to put some links. I've been making notes, actually, as you've been talking. So I'm going to put links to the uh, the various examples that you've given in the uh, the description below for everybody to uh, to follow up and have a little look at. Um, and one that I do want to include, actually, because I believe the Imposo uh, website has just been rebranded. I think uh, there's some new mm-hmm. stuff going on. So do you want to give a bit of a shout out to direct people in your direction should they wish to follow up?
1: Yeah, sure. If you um, just go to uh that will get you to our website and uh, you can see uh, the various different areas that we, we specialise in there. But if anybody would like to, uh, to speak to me about uh, artificial intelligence, uh, then by all
0: means, just uh, drop me a line. Brilliant. And I'll uh, include all those details as well in the description below. Um, And just a little quick shameless plug out for a AI and metaverse marketing uh, workshop that I'm beginning on the 4th of October of this year uh, which will be deeper dives into what all this stuff means for marketers and more and we're actually going to run this within the metaverse and i will include a link to that first of a monthly series of uh, short courses virtually held within the metaverse because of course we can so we should and uh, i will welcome any inquiries uh, and any further details that anybody requires if they are interested in that so see the details below this particular broadcast So thank you again, Tim, for your time and uh, wisdom on the uh, episode today. Really, really found this fascinating. And I've got a few uh, examples of things I'm going to go and have a look at now myself. So uh, thanks again.
1: Pleasure. Thank you for having me.